the book of Hosea chapter 9, Hosea chapter 9, as we're continuing our series through the book of Hosea, and uh, the book of Hosea chapter 9, and we're just going to read about four verses tonight, and then we'll kind of dive into these this evening, and um, I'm going to try, we'll see, I'm going to try to finish a little bit early, I want to do something a little bit different tonight with our prayer time, but um, we'll see how far we go uh, if we're able to do that. But Hosea chapter number 9, let's begin reading it in verse number 1. Rejoice not, O Israel, for joy as other people. For thou hast gone a whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. The floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, neither shall they be pleasing unto him. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted, for their bread, for their soul, shall not come into the house of the Lord. As we're looking through this passage, of course, uh, in chapter 8, we found some uh, illustrations that God is giving as far as the destruction and Hosea uh, sounding the alarm that judgment is coming. And uh, again, as we read through the book of Hosea, a lot of times you could, you could read the whole, chap- or the whole book in, in just a, a few minutes and not realizing that there, is, uh, there are decades that transpire in the book, Right? And uh, as Hosea has pronounced judgment, of course, upon, uh, upon Israel for, for their uh, idolatry and things like this, and uh, Hosea speaks of that, and he talks about that at the end of chapter number 8. He says, "...for Israel hath forgotten his Maker, and buildeth temples." Uh, and again, thinking about that, you would think, well, they're building temples, right? So they're, they're religious, and they were religious, but... Uh, They were religious, but they did not want to follow God. They had forgotten their maker. They had forgotten the one who had uh, delivered them and brought them out. And so he says, look, they were religious, but they were not following God. And in chapter 9 here, Hosea kind of explains a little bit about what is taking place. And and I think really when we look at this passage, um, I've kind of given chapter 9 the title, When Blessings Become a Curse. When blessings become a curse. You say, well, if it's a blessing, it has to be a blessing, right? I mean, how could a blessing be, be a curse? Uh, even when God told uh, Abraham to, to leave Ur of the Chaldees and uh, to go out, he said, those that bless you, I will bless, and those that curse you, I will curse. So sometimes we think of, of you have a blessing, and the opposite of that is a curse. Two different things. But can a blessing become a curse? And I believe we see that's exactly what happened with Israel. Their blessings became a curse. When we think about Israel, obviously before they go into bondage, before Joseph and his family go down into Egypt and they're there for, of course, 400 years and become enslaved in in Egypt. But before that, before their bondage, Dealing with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they, they had no law. The law of Moses had not been given to them. 
They had no tabernacle. There was not the tabernacle where they would go and worship. Uh, they didn't have the altars and, uh, and things like this at the tabernacle. They didn't have the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. They didn't have the, the, the presence of God there in the tabernacle. They did not have the system of sacrifice, uh, of the different uh, sacrifices that they were to bring and the different feasts and things like that. But after they were delivered from Egypt... God gave them these things. God gave them the law. God gave them the the tabernacle. God gave them his presence there in the tabernacle. God gave them the the sacrificial system. And they had those things for hundreds of years, for centuries. Even we find as David says, you know, hey, the tabernacle is, is not enough. God's been, the, the house of God has really been just a, a tabernacle. It's been a house of skins, basically, the, the different skins that they would make for the tabernacle. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a permanent dwelling place. I'm going to make a permanent building, the temple. And of course, Solomon builds this, uh, this grand building, this grand temple had been built. But yet, when we think of those things, when we think of the law that God had given to Moses, we think about the, the sacrificial system, we think about Solomon's temple and, and, and all that was involved in the religious aspect of it. What good were all of those things if they were simply to be ignored? What good is a religious system, right? If it's simply going to be ignored anyway. What good is coming to church? If we're really just going to ignore the songs that we're singing, we're not even going to think about them. What good is coming to church if we're just going to ignore the the teaching of the word of God? What good really are those things then? And this is what had happened to Israel. God had blessed them. God had brought them out of Egypt. God had given them very special things. The law of Moses was something special that they had, they had been given by God. The, the whole sacrificial system, the, uh, this tabernacle and the presence of God, all of these things were pictures of what was to come. And, and God had blessed them in, in this land and then they simply ignored it all. They simply said, God, we don't really care about what you say. Again, they had the law. But yet, what did we find over and over throughout, not only um, throughout Hosea, but even, uh, even in um, uh, Amos? He said, I've given you the law, but yet nobody knows it. I've, I've given you these things, but nobody is teaching it. I've given you my commandments, but nobody cares about them. They had been blessed by God. He had delivered them. He had brought them into a bountiful land. But they had traded the blessings for the bounty. Thinking that as long as they were bountiful, they were blessed. Look at what he says here. Look at, notice how he begins this. Rejoice not. Rejoice not. O Israel, for joy. Why would they have joy? Why would they, have, why would they be rejoicing? Because the land was bountiful. They, they had much. 
And they, there, there is a sense of joy. There is a sense of, of ease. Hey, I mean, again, when you go back and look, all that was taking place here, there was, they had much and they were associating the, the blessing or the, the bounty of what they had for the blessing of God. But instead of recognizing that it was God that had blessed them, they were now just looking at the bounty of it. They were looking at what they had. And God says, don't rejoice, O Israel, as other people. Yes, the world can look at bounty and they can rejoice in it. Because really, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. Because if they're not following God, it doesn't really matter where it comes from. But for Israel, who was supposed to be following God, they were rejoicing like other people, like other nations, thinking that they were being blessed in all the bounty that they had, not even recognizing that the blessing had turned to a curse. He says, For thou hast gone a whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. They were blessed they had bountifulness he said they they had much the 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 crops were producing and the the cattle were producing i mean everything was just bountiful but he says let me tell you something you have nothing to rejoice about because you have turned a blessing into a curse now instead of recognizing what god has done for you you're saying it's just simply what we have done It's all about us. That's why he says back up in verse number 14 of chapter 8, for Israel hath forgotten his maker. They had totally turned away from God. They had turned away from his law. They had turned away from uh, the commandments. They had turned away from all of these different things. Thinking simply that as long as they were receiving the blessing, as long as the land was bountiful, then then surely God was still blessing No doubt they must, have, <laughs> they must have argued with Hosea. I mean, hearing him say, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice in the bounty. And, and notice, I, I, it's not really given here, but it's, it's almost like as the people heard this, maybe they responded and said, hey, look at all that we have. Look, look at everything that is here. Look, look at the vineyards, look, look at the crops, look at the cattle, look at the, look at the, look at, look how much we have. What do you mean? We are cursed. What do you mean? We don't have the blessing of God. What do you mean? We shouldn't rejoice because notice what he says in verse two, the floor and the wine press shall not feed them and the new wine shall fail in her. As, as Hosea is speaking, he says, hey, don't rejoice because you have, you have forsaken God. You have went a-whoring after other gods. And they're like, hey, look, we're still being blessed. We're, we're still got. It doesn't matter, Hosea. It doesn't matter that we've done these things. God is still blessing. Look at all that we have. It doesn't really matter. We're still being blessed by God. He says, the floor and the winepress shall not feed them. The new wine shall fail. The grain for bread. The vineyards for drink. The olives for oil and food, light and medicine. How could God be angry with us if we have all this? Seems logical, doesn't it? I mean, look at all that we have. How can you say that God is angry with us? 
If God was angry with us, we wouldn't have this. Not even realizing that God's hand had been removed. And that now the blessings that they had received from God were now a curse to them. Is this not the attitude in our country today? Look at what we have. So surely we must be blessed by God. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, we're having, we're having a little bit of difficulty, you know, the economy's not the greatest right now. Stock market's down, gas is up, but, but I mean, still, we, we're still the number one country in the world. Every, every eye is on America. Everyone wants to be in America. So, how, I mean, look at all that we have. How could we say that God's blessing is not still on our country? What we as Christians, as the church, have failed to see is that our blessing has become our curse. Our blessing has become our curse. Because we look to the blessing now instead of the one who blessed. We look at what we have instead of the one who provided it for us. And, and so many times as Christians, we pray, we need something, we need this, we need a job, we need a car, we need this, we need that, whatever it might be. And we pray and we ask God to bless us with it. And then God works through through different venues, different avenues, and God provides us with it. And what do we do? We begin to be more concerned about the blessing than we are about the one who blessed us. We're more concerned about pleasing those at our job than we are about pleasing him who gave us the job. We're more concerned about making sure that, man, the the car is taken care of and, and the house is taken care of and everything else is taken care of, but when it comes to the things of God, well, we just we just don't have time for that. And the blessing has become now a curse. Because now we are more concerned about what we received as a blessing instead of honoring the one who blessed us in the first place. When you look at this passage and you see, when we think of everything, when we think that everything is good, And we turn from God. Look what he says in verse 3. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. When we think everything is good, and we turn from God, that's when God says he'll cut it off. He'll cut it off. He says the floor and the wine press shall not feed them. The new wine shall fail in her. The wine press, the, the places where they would have the, 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 the grain and the, 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 uh, the, the, the oil and, uh, and the, the wine and the, and the juice and all this stuff. He said, it's all going to be gone. All that you're looking at as bounty and as thinking that this is the blessing of God, God said, I'm going to take it all away. I'm going to take it away. Because it's become a curse 
you're looking more to those things than you are to the Lord. You have forgotten his maker. He said there, for thou hast gone a whoring from thy God. Thou hast loved a reward upon every corn floor. You're more concerned about the bounty of the, the crops. You're more concerned about getting more and more and more. And you have completely disdained the things of God. To be honest, that sounds pretty much like our country. And please, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. When I, when I say this, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about those who claim the name of Christ. Those who say, I've put my faith in Christ. Those who are in churches try, saying, yes, we're, we're going to follow God. And yet, why are churches closing? Why are there not more having a desire to serve God? Why is it when you go into so many churches, it's like pulling teeth to try to get anybody to serve the Lord? Now, I'm very thankful that we have many in our church that serve, and thank the Lord for that. But have we allowed the blessing to become a curse in our life? We're more concerned about the bounty We're more concerned about what we're receiving than we are honoring the one who has blessed us. We like what we get from God, but we don't want to honor God. We like the blessing, but we don't want to honor him with our life. We don't want to honor him with our time. We just want what we want. God said... That not only would he cut off the bounty, but he would not allow them to dwell in the land. He would would allow them to return to bondage. Think about that. He says, thou shalt not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt. Now again, remember we looked at this last week. When he talks about returning to Egypt, he's not talking about the country of Egypt, but he's talking about what happened in Egypt, bondage. God was going to bring them back into bondage because... They had allowed the blessing to become a curse. They'd be taken into bondage. The Assyrians, and he speaks of that, they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They would be brought into bondage, brought back to nothing, eating the unclean things that they so abhorred as being the, the, the Jews. They, they would, uh, no, 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 we can't eat unclean things. He said, let me tell you, you're, you're going to eat things that you had never even thought about eating. You think that you've got everything so bountiful here? It's very similar. Basically, if you think about what's happening here, this is the prodigal son. He disdained his father's house. He disdained the blessings. And he allowed the blessing to be turned into a curse. And he left. And he never dreamed that when he left the father's house that he'd be eating the pig's food. Fighting the pigs to get something to eat. So that's what's going to happen to Israel. They're, they're going to be taken into captivity and they eat these unclean things. Here's one thing that I found very interesting, though. I don't know if you noticed this. Notice, God said that they would not dwell where? Do you notice that in verse, number, in verse number three? They shall not dwell. He doesn't say in Israel. He, just, he doesn't even say the land. What does he call it? The Lord's land. He said, ye shall not dwell 
in the Lord's land. Not their land. His. His land. And what had they done in his land? They had corrupted it. They had corrupted his land. They had polluted it with their idolatry, with their wickedness. Yes, remember what we just saw back up in chapter 8, verse number 14. They were building temples, but who were these temples to? These temples were not to God. They were to all of the false gods of the land. God said, look, if you really want to worship, I've already, there's already a place where you're supposed to be worshiping. It's in Jerusalem. They said, no, 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 we're not going to worship there. In fact, we're going to build our own temples. We're going to worship our own gods. They had polluted his land. God said, this is, this, this is mine. I'm the one that gave it to you. I'm the one that led you into this. And they had polluted it. They had corrupted it. They had started enjoying the sin. But here's what's really interesting. He says, They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat the unclean things in Assyria. And I think when, as we've gone through the book of Hosea, something that I think that has kind of been just kind of under the surface here is as they began to turn away from God, and again, when we think about it, the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin. Right? The Bible says there's pleasure in sin. But there's a second part to that phrase. There's pleasure in sin, what? For a season. There's pleasure in sin. Yes, when, when you get into sin, man, there, there's pleasure in it for a little bit, but he says it's just for a season. The, the devil's just going to, he, he's going to give you the, the pleasure there, but it's just to get you hooked into it. And, and once he gets you hooked into it, here's the problem. You can't get out. And I think that's something that we find here in Israel is they had, they had so polluted themselves, they, they had began enjoying the sin. They, there was no doubt that they were enjoying what they were doing, but the problem was they weren't enjoying it any longer. The problem was they were just stuck. They were, they were addicted to what they were doing, but there was no pleasure in it anymore. They were sinning, but they couldn't stop, even though there was no fulfillment in it. They were addicted to it. They, they couldn't, even though, I mean, think about it. How many, how many prophets has God sent and says, hey, you need to stop. Judgment is coming. Stop. Don't do this. Judgment is going to come. And yet they just kept on going. It's like they weren't even thinking about what was being done. Because they had believed the lie of Satan that there was pleasure in sin. But it's just for a season. You know, it's really interesting when you think about addiction in our own country here. I was just looking at some statistics. Almost 21 million Americans, Americans have at least one addiction to drugs, opioids, or alcohol. The alcohol and drug addiction costs the U.S. economy over $600 billion every year. 
20% of Americans who have depression or an anxiety disorder also have a substance use disorder. Now, please understand, I'm, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to be political about any of this tonight. But we're really looking at the wrong issues in our country. Look, I understand when someone goes into a school and shoots up innocent people, that's not good. It's not good. But can I tell you that those things happening are just a small percentage of what really is happening in our country? You see, what has happened? The, the devil has made us believe that there's pleasure in sin. What we fail to realize that it's just for a season. Alcohol. On average, 30 Americans die every day in an alcohol-related car accident. Every day. Six Americans die every day from alcohol poisoning. 88,000 people die as a result of alcohol every year in the United States. 88,000? Why is no one crying out about that? Because we're addicted. There's pleasure in it. Opioids. About 130 Americans die every day from an opioid overdose. Every day. Heroin. There's over 100,000 new heroin users each year. 100,000. Cigarettes. 34 million Americans smoke cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes is the cause of over 480,000 deaths every year in the United States. Almost half a million people die every year from smoking. Where's the outcry? Meth? 774,000 Americans are regular meth users. 16,000 of them between the ages of 12 and 17. 12 and 17. Almost a million Americans are addicted to meth. Porn, 40 million U.S. adults are addicted to pornography. Divorce, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. 50%. Single parenting, 25% of all children in the U.S. are living in a single home. Think about that. 25% of all children in the U.S. living in a single home. Do you know how that compares to the rest of the world? It's more than three times the rest of the world's average. The rest of the world's average is 7%. 7%. Obesity? The CDC that says the U.S. rate of obesity is now up to 42% in 2020. The medical cost in the United States was nearly $173 billion dollars in 2019 because of obesity now tell me we are not addicted 
tell me we have not believed the lie of the devil that there is pleasure in sin. There's pleasure in sin. And so we have no problem jumping in. But what we fail to realize is that it's just for a season. Think about all the deaths we're talking about. Think about uh, of the, the divorced homes and the, the, the children that are affected and the, and the marriages that are destroyed because of all of these different things. And yet we think, well, hey, we're still being blessed. Look at our country. We're still number one in the world. We're still, you know, the greatest country on earth. So it must still be okay. God must still be blessing us. And we have failed to realize that our blessing has become a curse. We have snubbed our nose or snubbed our thumb in God's face and said, we don't care. We're going to do what we want to do. And the problem is we have become so addicted to it, even though, I mean, you, you, look at, you look at the suicide rate, you look at all of, the, uh, all of these new things that are coming up, where is the fulfillment in all of it? Where is the fulfillment in it? Where is the fulfillment in drugs and alcohol? Why are they always having to come up with something new because this didn't satisfy? Where is the fulfillment in, in all, of this, all of this going on? Where is the fulfillment even in this, this whole new system that's coming about with the LGBTQ and all this? Where is the fulfillment in it? There is none. But we can't stop. We can't stop. Because we have become just like Israel. The blessing has become a curse. And we've become so addicted to all of these things. We've become so addicted to the bounty that now instead of recognizing the very one who blessed us, instead of recognizing that there was a God who, who enabled us to live in the greatest country on earth and has blessed this country for so many years, and now instead of recognizing Him, we care nothing about Him, and we care more about the bounty, we care more about the crops and our, and our finances and our retirement and our cars and our houses and everything else. Oh, but we go to church. God says, so? So you go to church. Look what he says. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, neither shall they be pleasing unto him. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted, for their bread, for their soul, shall not come into the house of the Lord. Had they built temples? Yes. Were they sacrificing? Yes. You know what God said? It means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. That's what he said. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. Neither shall they be pleasing unto him, God says. God says, they don't, your sacrifices don't please me. Because we've allowed the blessing to become a curse. 
when we as Christians and we as the church begin to care more about the blessing and more about the things of the world and think that that's where satisfaction, that's where fulfillment is, then the blessing has become a curse. Look, please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. Look, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a job and I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things, to have a car or a house or a retirement plan or, or something like that. But when those things become our gods... We have turned the blessing into a curse. And God says, I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't care how many songs you sing. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Because we have said, God, we care nothing about you. They have forgotten his maker, he said. Thou hast gone a-whoring from thy God, he says. Welcome to 2022. Not Israel. And I, and I want to be careful that I don't just say the church as well. Because... I'm not talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about the church in America. There are many countries where the church is flourishing. There are many countries where God is still blessing the church. And thank God that he still blesses here in the United States. But can I say, we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow the blessing to become a curse. That We don't get the idea that God, we don't need you anymore. We're doing just fine without you. Look at all that we have. Surely God can't be upset. I mean, look at our country. Look at... Look at the vehicles we drive. Look at the houses we live in. Look at the jobs we have. Look at our retirement plans. Look at, look at, uh, look at all these different things. God's mad at us? God's upset with us? Nah. <laughs> nah. God's okay with it because, look, we still, have the, we still have the blessings. No, it's not a blessing anymore. It's a curse. It's a curse. And God said, I'm going to send you back to bondage. He said, I'm not going to allow you to dwell in my land. If this is how you're going to live, you're not welcome in my land. If this is what you're going to do, what did he say? They shall not dwell in the Lord's land. And he says, even those that still continue to offer sacrifice and things, he says, those that do eat or those that offer sacrifices, God says he cares nothing for them. And even notice what he says here. He says um, in verse number four, their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted for their bread, for their soul shall not come into the house of the Lord. Those that did eat of the sacrifices, God says they're polluted. Because God would not accept them. In fact, God says it's so defiling. And there's going to be such a, such a, 
we could say an emptiness. That he says, even when they do eat, right? He said, it's going to be like one that mourns. Their sacrifices shall be unto them as the bread of mourners. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's lost someone very, very close. And there's a mourning process that happens. And if it's someone that is very near and dear to that person, you know what the last thing to think of is? Food. I don't need it. There's, there's no desire for it. There's not even a desire for it because of what we're going through. And God says here, again, think about what he's saying here. Just as one who is mourning cares nothing for food, God says, that's how I care about your sacrifices. I care nothing about them. Wouldn't that be sad that as a church, as Christians, that we have become so consumed with the blessing instead of the one who blessed us that God says you can come to church and you can give and you can offer sacrifices, you can do all those different things. And God says, I care nothing for it. I don't care. Has the blessing become a curse? Has God's blessing in your life become a curse? Do we think more about the blessings? Do we think more about what God blesses us with than we do about the one who blessed us? When we start thinking more about the stuff and we start getting our satisfaction from the stuff instead of getting our fulfillment and our desire from Him, The blessing is no longer a blessing. It's become a curse. Because it's allowed us to take our eyes off of him and put it on everything else. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. I wonder maybe just for a moment... Could we maybe just examine our heart and our life tonight? And say, Lord, have I allowed your blessings to become a curse? Your blessing in the job you've given me? Your blessing in my home? Your blessing in my possessions? Your blessing in my family? Have I allowed those things to become a curse in my life? Because they've taken my eyes off of you. And I'm more concerned about those things than I am with you. I'm more concerned about what my boss or my 
people at work think about me than I am what you think about me, Lord. Have we allowed the blessing to become a curse? I wonder tonight, just just where we're at, we're not going to stand or anything this evening, but I wonder right there where you're at. As the piano just begins to play, would you simply say, Lord, is there something that I've allowed in my life to become a curse? Something that I've allowed to take my eyes off of you? I have time for all these other things, Lord. I just don't have time for you. I think more about my job and my finances and my hobbies and all these other things. Yet I think very little of you, Lord. Very little time spent with you. And yet you're the one that has blessed me with these things. And what's amazing is we find that these things don't even provide fulfillment. That's why we're always trying to do more and get more and have more. There's no satisfaction in it.